Welcome to BizTalk. I'm your host, Jim Lobato. In addition to hosting BizTalk, I am the president and founder of the Performance Group, a sales development company dedicated to helping company presidents grow their profits. With us in the studio is Deb St. John, president of Socian Group. And Deb, our topic is the difference between orientation and onboarding. And I'm just kind of curious, what got you so interested in this topic of onboarding? Well, Jim, in working with companies on talent selection, so finding that right person to fit the right spot in the organization, uh, oftentimes what we found was there was so much attention put on talent selection that once the talent was selected and brought into the organization, like attention dropped off. Um, so it was handed over to the HR person, and pretty much, you know, they took uh, took the reins there and, and got the individual into the organization. But then 90 days would come up, and some there'd be a performance issue. And um, so I liken it to what we see in sports sometimes, where people will uh, get some great talent in free agency, mm-hmm. and they'll bring them into the organization. They're the right person for the organization. And inevitably, there are situations where um, it just didn't fit. You know, like the performance that happened on a different team didn't happen on this new team. And it's very similar when we look at how people are brought into organizations. It's interesting, too, because you put all those resources in the front end. Let's Mm -hmm. go find them. Mm -hmm. Let's source them. Let's uh, screen them. And then let's take everybody's time selecting. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, here you go. Yep, we made the right choice. It should just, you know, magically happen. Great. Good insight. Deb, let's talk about the environment we're in today and why onboarding is such an important topic. Well, one of the things that we see with a lot of companies is that um, they've spent a lot of time um, doing talent selection, getting the right person hired, but oftentimes the attention then drops off. And what we know is in the first 90 days to six months, that's really the critical time to get people connected with the organization, connected with the culture, et cetera. And what we're finding with uh, especially senior level managers, so let's talk about those that you know are, are the ones that we uh, spend a lot of money on. Mm-hmm. Uh, those folks, um, we find that up to 40% of them can fail in the first 18 months if they're not onboarded correctly. Even our senior managers in 18 yes. months. Okay, that's interesting. You know, what I find fascinating in the work that we do at the Performance Group, which is help people. We're on the front end, what Mm -hmm. you're talking about, which Mm -hmm. is helping companies find the right salespeople for those positions. And one of the things I tell uh, our hiring managers is that when that person comes on board, now this is particular to the sales profession, that person who you just hired probably hasn't told the other people he's interviewing with that they accepted a job. Mm. In other words, what they keep in their back pocket is, hey, if this doesn't work out, I can always call these other people back and say, hey, I'm still interested. And we've noticed that depending on the caliber of job that they're being hired into, that that can last up for a good 30 days. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you find that in other positions in a company, but I would think that first 30 days is even equally as important. Yeah. Actually, what we see in studies, there's quite a few studies behind this, is that um, people are making decisions whether they fit into the organization up to six months after. So in the back of their mind, they're thinking about... Yeah. They're they're not making a firm decision until, you know, four to six months after they've been hired. So 
let's talk about onboarding because, you know, when you say onboarding, I think most of our listeners may be thinking of uh, orientation. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, again, we, we have in our company an orientation checklist. Um, believe it or not, a lot of companies, when we first work with them, they don't even have that. Mm-hmm. You know, so here's an orientation checklist. Isn't that onboarding if you go through your checklist and make sure you cover all the basics? Yeah, actually, onboarding's a, a longer view. Uh, usually, orientation's a shorter view, so it might be the first week or a couple of weeks, uh, that sort of thing. So there's three major differences between orientation and onboarding. And frankly, inside organizations, you need both. But uh, if you look at uh, onboarding, uh, there's the three major differences, content, the length of time that you put into the program, and the third piece is the results that you get out of it. So if I go through those from a content perspective, usually orientation is about new hire paperwork. It's about um, like where to find your supplies, um, you know, where the, the lunch area is, um, also some of the culture pieces, and really general information. You know, I always say it takes them 30 days to find the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So um, when we talk about onboarding, um, it's really putting a structure in place so that they're learning all the cultural norms. They're learning all of the key pieces that they need for their job. Uh, they understand how decisions are made. Um, you know, it's, it's a much stronger uh, infrastructure that you're putting in place to help them succeed. So tr- Typically, an orientation, I, I know this would vary by position, mm-hmm. would generally last how long? So, in orientation, we typically see last, um, oh, probably a couple of weeks. And then it's turned over to the manager. Certainly, people might look at like a 90-day review, but it's really turned over to the manager to manage uh, the the ramp-up of that individual. So, it's turned over, because I'm trying to think most of these organizations... Uh, it seems to be that the hiring manager almost will not do any onboarding. Mm-hmm. If they do orientation, it's like they throw the file at the HR director and say, here you go, mm-hmm. fill out the W-2, mm-hmm. right, give them their passwords, get them their keys, let's go to work. Right. And then there's typically not a check-in till say, that 90 days if a company even has that in place. And then something's gone wrong. And between, you know, day one and uh, day 90, there's something that's happened there. It may or may not be um, the fault of the individual. Right. So if I'm following you, it's orientation is is really the technicalities of the job. Mm -hmm. And then the next step is what again? So the next step is what? Uh, so in terms of content, right. what does it take for this individual to be successful in your organization? So it, um, Can you give me an example of a position you work with? Um, sure. So with, um, let's say, an account manager coming sure. into an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, they're making a shift from the organization that they were in into this new organization. Uh, and let's say that the shift that they're making is to one that's a, a smaller company and things maybe work more entrepreneurial. So in that situation, uh, somebody has to be much more adaptable. They've got to think about um, what they need to get done in the organization. The structure isn't there that might be in a larger organization. So the processes, procedures, et cetera. So inside a, a smaller organization like that, they've really got to step up and make things happen. 
Um, so understanding that shift allows them to say, okay, well, then I've got more of the reins here, whereas well, I might have needed to work inside a structure of an organization. You know, I think that's good insight. So let's go real world for a second. When I see that happen in organizations, what I hear from the manager, the hiring manager in this case, their frustration, mm -hmm. which is going to be about, you're right, 60 to 90 days into it, mm -hmm. they're going to say, well, Deb, they just don't get it. Mm -hmm. You know, they just hear you got to make things happen. Right. Is that an example of an orientation that didn't go right? Because with this point, what I hear people saying is they're blaming it on that individual. Yes. Yeah. And what we find with uh, managers, so if you don't have a structured onboarding process in place, and there's some thinking that goes in up front to say, what is it that people need to be able to uh, be successful in this organization? And, you know, the man if you leave it just to the manager in an orientation situation, some managers are not the best teachers. You know, they know what they need to do and they make it happen, but they're not necessarily the best teachers of the person that they just hired. Okay, so let's stick with our example of the account manager. Mm -hmm. um, you're right, the, the account manager comes in, their manager's probably done that job in the past, has done it for a number of years, mm -hmm. and therefore they have some unconscious competence in that job. They've already forgotten more about that job than this new hire probably already knows. Mm -hmm. So they just assume they're gonna come up to speed relatively quickly, mm -hmm. and I think that's a good question. Your question was, what does it take for a person to be successful in this position? Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? So is that a question, let's go back real world in the company, as you're putting together an orientation program, who are we asking that question to in the company to draw out what needs to get done? Yeah. So when I'm working with a company in sure. creating an onboarding program, we're really involving the senior management. Uh, because, like you say, they've already forgotten more, you know, right. about what they did kind of coming up the ranks. But they still expect it out of everybody who's coming in. So one of the things that uh, we spend time on is who are you as a company and making sure that that's consistently uh, communicated across the company. Uh, secondly, uh, what is it that you do? And what's, in, what's important for people to understand in what you do? What's your position in the marketplace? Um, what uh, key intellectual property items do you have that really have to be communicated um, to the individual coming into the company? And then what's your culture in terms of uh, how decisions are made, how people are connecting, um, you know, how much uh, give and take there is and adaptability in the individual that you need? All of those things really um, set the stage for somebody knowing, okay, this is what I'm walking into. Because if you think about it, when people are interviewing, you see them maybe two or three times. You've had great conversations. Yeah, you've asked your questions that are important to you and your organization. They've asked their questions. But, you know, if you think about this relationship that you're building, I mean, after three dates, most people don't get married. Good point. <laughs> or they shouldn't. Yeah, or they shouldn't. <laughs> they shouldn't. I, I suppose there's times where it happens. <laughs> okay. Yeah. In our studios with us is Deb St. John. We're talking about the difference between onboarding and orientation. Deb is the president of the Social Group. So, Deb, uh, give us a quick recap. The difference between the two is, again... 
Yeah, so there's three points here. One is uh, content. So when we're looking at content of an onboarding program, it's a supported process that really helps the person um, you know, gain knowledge, build relationships, and also integrate into the organization. Secondly, we look at timing here. So for an orientation program, um, you're probably looking at a couple of weeks. When you look at an onboarding process, really what you want to do is look at how long it really takes somebody to ramp up. So that can be up to four to six months. Okay. And then the third piece is results. And with results, really what you're looking to do is have something that is trackable so you know when you're done. Okay, and we dove pretty heavily into content, Mm -hmm. so tell me about your timing segment. Yeah, so timing is really looking at uh, how long it takes somebody to ramp up in your organization. Now, studies show us that it takes between four and six months. Most companies are looking at it in a 90-day probationary period, if you will. So they look at that 90-day expectation and not necessarily carrying through. Now, the other thing to remember here is that if we think on the employee's uh, mindset here, they're, they're making a decision of their fit of the company up to six months after. So it's really, uh, it's really an advantage to think of it on the longer term. Well, and to use your analogy earlier, it's almost like the, the dating process people mm-hmm. go through. Yeah, yeah. So really uh, extending the thought process on that and not just limiting, limiting it to the 90 days. Okay. Yeah. And then on results then? So on results, really, we're looking at the longer view and we're talking about all this content we want to make sure that people are uh, taking into account. So it's a bit like building a curriculum. So you want to think about it as, uh, you know, I've got that four to six months that I'm looking at. I want to build a curriculum of experiences, of uh, interactions, of self-study, you know, uh, getting into reference materials, tutorials, things of that nature. And then I want to make sure that that's trackable. So I can see that, you know, somebody has comprehension of key concepts of the company, of their position, of the work that they're going to be doing. So experiences was one you mentioned? Yeah. And what was the other two? So experiences, uh, it could be tutorials or knowledge, uh, and then self-study. Okay. So we really want to empower the individual to kind of uh, take charge of their own onboarding process as well. It's not just a push of information to them. We want to see them step up as well. And, and I think our audience understands the word experiences. And at the same time, give me some real-world examples you see when you're working with clients, what experiences they would want to put people through. Right. So uh, one example would be, let's say I, I join an organization and um, – one of the things I might have in my self-study is to uh, review a capabilities presentation. So mm-hmm. I understand how the company sells itself. Okay. Now, uh, it's one thing to look at a PowerPoint. Sure. It's another thing to actually sit in on a capabilities presentation and to see the reaction that happens when those principles are put out there and what kinds of uh, questions come up. So, uh, so, so that would be an example. Between, difference between classroom in real world. Yeah, exactly. All right. So um, let's take, let's go back to our account manager mm-hmm. we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And we get through the orientation, which now we understand is the HR, the checklist, and figuring out where the keys are in the bathroom. We got that done. Now we're into what you would call your onboarding program. Mm-hmm. And we're at the segment of looking at results. 
and uh, um, this account manager probably would sit through, would self-study the, the capabilities PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. They probably would sit in on those capability presentations and be made to prospects. They get that. Uh, at the same time, aren't there other experiences in the company they should experience in terms of understanding how their role affects other people's role? Mm-hmm. Sure. So some of the experiences could even be uh, interactions with uh, department heads. You know, so those are fairly typical in a orientation situation. Um, what we do in an onboarding uh, program, though, is we'll have them do, say, like a self-study of here's what um, the XYZ department does. And so they'll, they'll, they'll review that before they sit down with the department head. So they already have a knowledge of what the department does, and the conversation starts at a completely different level. Right. We had uh, was working with the sales manager the other day, and he was frustrated that his new salespeople um, – couldn't understand how they sold to a certain vertical. And I said, well, how did you understand it? He says, I used to work in that shop. Mm-hmm. It was a sheet metal shop. So I used to work in that. And I was an employee there before I got involved in sales and then became the sales manager. Mm-hmm. So he can walk into sheet metal shops and see exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I said, have you thought about, you know, almost doing a field trip to your best clients mm-hmm. and taking your salespeople who've never worked in a sheet metal shop and having him do uh, the plant tour and explain everything that's going on. So right. that's is that an example of experiential learning in terms of figuring out what they should be doing on the job? Sure, sure. And, you know, for key accounts, uh, so if we're talking about an account manager for key accounts, some uh, clients may actually have um, like a, a university that they put their own people through. Right. So that would be a great experience to have on the docket for somebody to do as well. Okay, and you talk about self-study, mm-hmm. right, as part of this results step that's in your onboarding process. Again, I venture to say that a lot of, you know, people listening right now don't have those resources or not documented. Is that what you run into? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that we see, especially with um, some of the generational uh, differences where we see the baby mm. boomers retiring, mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of knowledge that are in, that's inside people's heads that isn't uh, documented. And so part of the process with creating an onboarding system is making sure that you're documenting a lot of the knowledge that is important inside the organization. So uh, some companies will have really strong knowledge management systems uh, or learning management systems where they've got a lot of that documented, but it usually uncovers some things that they haven't documented that's really important to have. And and it really then, I can imagine this, uh, people listening right now saying, yeah, between that and the other free time I have, which is none. Right. <laughs> when are we going to get this done? Right. Uh, so how do you how do you get the ball rolling? Mm-hmm. You know, instead of thinking of this as a project in a hole, and and we can't uh, fathom how we'd ever get to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we get it rolling in terms of let's look at the first step? Right. What's a good first step you could tell our listeners in terms of documenting this wisdom? Mm-hmm. So um, the first the first layer for any organization is who are we and what do we do? What's our point of difference? And making sure that that information is documented. 
So if I'm walking into a new company, I'm a new manager, I'm coming, let's say I'm coming to work for you at the performance group, Mm -hmm. that I understand um, who you are as a company, uh, what your value proposition is, and um, what what, uh, intellectual property you have that makes you different. Those key things are going to be really important for me to understand uh, to start out. Okay. So imagine that's just sitting down uh, with a tape recorder or sitting down with, uh, um, you know, maybe you have somebody in the office who can take good notes and then recapture these and just having a brainstorming session on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so with some clients, what we'll do is utilize some of the software that's out there, too. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with BrainShark or if your listeners are familiar with BrainShark, but you can take... Uh, PowerPoint presentations and put voiceover to that, and it's just done over the phone. So it's very easy to take, uh, say, like a capabilities presentation that you have, just put some voiceover to it, and all of a sudden, that's a much more dimensional experience for somebody to go through. Yeah, so, and that can be pretty easily done because of usually the manager who has all this wisdom in them, you see the slide, they fill in all the stories, they fill in all their experiences, and you go from there. That's, mm-hmm. that's a really good tip. And that software is called? Brain Shark. Brain Shark. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so really what we're doing here is, is uh, taking what was traditionally the orientation book, like somebody right. might take a binder and put a bunch of pages in it, and we're really uh, thinking about how do we make that come to life more. Okay. And so break it down in the, in the segments, uh, find some way to capture it, mm-hmm. and then you're, you're off and running to the, at least getting the start on this yep. stuff. If you, if you get the sort of the um, uh, top level done, then you can always go back in and say, I want to do a deep dive on this subject or a deep dive on that subject. So you just build it one block at a time. Right. In this, the results step you're talking about, you're breaking this down into things that can be measured. Mm-hmm. And typically for an onboarding, and I know this would depend on position, mm-hmm. but typically an onboarding and uh, measuring those results would last how long? So you want to look at it over the period that you're looking for for your onboarding program. So let's say it's six months. Okay. But I want to look at what I want someone to accomplish in uh, the first 90 days and maybe in 30-day increments. Um, so what you really want to do is create like a lesson plan, like a suggested lesson plan or um, a curriculum for this individual. And then you uh, allow it to be adaptable. And then what you're doing is you're really tracking, um, are they completing those tasks, you know, and, and those experiences on time. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because when we work with sales organizations, what we tell them is that uh, – if you even assign compensation to that, mm-hmm. you know, like an incentive. Because mm-hmm. sometimes in a commission sales job or a, a sales position where there's bonuses attached to it, uh, some of the best ways to incentivize salespeople is attach money to it and say, if you get to this point in 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 120, you can actually earn a bonus for learning the stuff that will actually produce the results. Instead yeah, of waiting for the excellent. results... You know, let's learn this because we know if you learn this, you can actually go out and perform at a higher level. Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay. We're talking with Deb St. John, president of the Socian Group, and we're talking about the importance of onboarding. Okay, Deb, we talked about and touched on, you know, starting this uh, um, program of documenting things, but there must be more of a systematic way 
or the process you would go through in terms of putting an onboarding process together? Sure. Um, there's four major steps that we look at. The first one, uh, first key, is establishing what we call a two-way street, not just a one-way street. And that's in relation to expectations. So what you want to do here is make sure that you're um, outlining what you expect of the employee and incorporate the view of also what the employee expects from you. What we know from research is that making a transition you know, to a new company or making a transition at work is one of the most difficult situations people encounter. In fact, uh, I read a research study the other day that said that it's uh, rated more difficult than dealing with a divorce or dealing with teenagers uh, or um, family issues, which was uh, surprising to me. But at the same time, I see the stress that executives go through. Absolutely. Yeah. So when we're establishing that two-way street of expectations, I'm going to give you a sense of, you know, what companies do currently and what they could do differently. So what they do currently is they'll have a job description, but a job description doesn't really indicate all the expectations. So uh, I suggest uh, to my clients that they start with a 90-day expectation document and that they think in terms of different uh, buckets. So uh, what is it that I expect you to do in your job? What do I expect you? So uh, uh, if we use the account uh, account manager example, um, who do they need to get uh, uh, make contact with? Um, who do they need to understand in terms of the different accounts that they'll be working on? Those would be the things that I would put in the job bucket. Then I want them to understand the company. So who we are, what we do, that sort of thing should be in that bucket. Um, and I want to make sure that they get integrated into the culture. So there are, you know, I might assign a mentor to them or I might assign a lunch buddy or, you know, things of that nature. Um, and key people that they need to make connections with. So really what you're looking to do here is define the buckets and put very clear actions that you want them to take in those 90 days. So that would be an example uh, of step one. Step two is define what it takes for someone to be successful. We talked about that. Mm -hmm. So the culture, the business, what you do, how you do it, common processes, roles and responsibilities, all the things they need to know to be successful. So uh, currently, companies will leave that to key people to communicate, uh, or they'll put people into a situation where it's baptism by fire, um, and that's where failure happens, versus if you define those experiences, put the tutorials in place, make sure you've got the reference material, just organizing all of that, uh, and then you develop a curriculum that's in a lesson plan so that they can follow it. So then step three is centralize and processize any way you can. Um, So right now, companies will look at, okay, I've got all this stuff on the server in files. Right. You know, but it's sort of like if you actually had to draw a diagram, it would look like the back of a radio to get to all the things. Right. Right. So um, what we really want people to do is to think along the lines of how can I organize that into a learning management system. That helps me not only with new hires, but it will also help me with existing employees as well. Absolutely. And utilize um, technology that's out there like BrainShark. The great thing about BrainShark is it's PowerPoint. You can just use the phone and do a voiceover to it. Uh, The other thing about BrainShark is uh, you can actually put quizzes and it Mm. will track 
people completing and to what level they've completed with the quizzes. Interesting. Yeah, so you can track all of that, which leads us to number four, which is really track and check in with people. So uh, like I mentioned before, some companies are just saying, okay, I've got my 90-day probationary period, and I'll check in with them in 90 days. What we really suggest is do a 30-day check-in along the way and do it up to six months. Okay. So utilize your HR department as that third-party source that can come in and and, uh, diagnose any problems early. All right. So... Looking at that, if they can get that organized, what results have you seen from this onboarding step you talk about? So what we've seen is really on two sides of the coin here. On the employer side, we see um, the um, benefit of pulling all this information together, um, that uh, the information that's that's gleaned in not only what they would do in the new hire process, but with existing employees. Um, we also see for the employer that they have an early warning sign if somebody's not doing well. Uh, and we also see the elimination of excuses, like, oh, I wasn't given that information, or um, I didn't know I was supposed to be doing that or uh, other things got in the way, there's clearer communication, and so the early warning signs are there. Uh, Also, if we see that there's an access issue, say with the um, manager, like the manager's really busy and hasn't been able to interact as much, we see that early on. Um, So there's some some great things from that standpoint. Uh, On the employee side, uh, what we see for them is that the same attention and care that was given to recruiting them is continued in um, engaging them in the organization. So they feel a lot more empowered, they feel a lot more confident that they understand how everything works. Because that's what causes stress for people. David, it's been great having you on the program. Uh, Sosin Group, tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, What we do is we really help companies build high-performance teams. So whether it's with communication, leadership, uh, talent management is a big piece that we've been talking about today. Um, And uh, we enjoy working with organizations that are really uh, focused on building relationships with their customers. And if people wanted to contact you, how would they do that? Yeah, if they wanted to contact us, our website is shoshingroup.com. That's S-H-O-S-H-I-N group.com. Okay. On our program has been Deb St. John, president of the Shoshin Group, and we've been talking about the difference between orientation and onboarding. You've been listening to BizTalk, which is produced by the Performance Group, a sales development company. If you'd like more information, go to our website, at www.pmgllc.net. For more podcasts, go to the BizTalk website at www.biztalkradioshow.com.